if the water had to come from somewhere, and how did it feel that much without him knowing? I mean, I probably missed something. Um, yeah, because yeah, to my knowledge, it might be something to do with the water in it, and the door, the, like, the lock won't pull or whatever. But even at that point, somebody could have picked up something off the street and just broke the window and the water would have came out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I didn't get it. Uh, there was the guy with the paint... And paint falls on him, and he thinks it's rain, even though I'm assuming that rain and paint have very different textures. Um, and he takes I'm it thinking, his arm. I'm thinking, he thought of, I'm thinking he thought it was bird poop. Uh, no, he thought it was rain, because the reason he put down his arm for is the other two people walked by him, and they weren't getting wet. Oh, okay, alright, yeah, alright. And yeah, that's paint, right. I forgot about that. Though. And then a paint bucket falls on top of his head. Um, but really, what, what more than the more than it more than the humor and everything else, what really kind of drove me nuts was the credits because they tried to do that whole scrolling thing, but instead of having it in space and whatever, it's just over the action and it's really off-putting and some ugly text. But um, <laughs> it was the least interesting introduction out of all of them in that regard. Oh, oh, big time. It was... Well, I mean, we even skipped over the fact that it actually doesn't start with the scene. It starts with Richard Pryor in the unemployment line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which... <laughs> which I, I was watching the movie, and I couldn't understand what was the purpose of it. Because it, it doesn't come up again that he's unemployed, that he goes to work for this company. And I'm like, they could have just had him working at this company already. <laughs> And do the same thing where he feels like he's not getting enough money. Yeah, they gave up on him when he got the computer job. Which I also didn't get. Like, it, like <laughs> there's no hint that he's a computer computer genius. No, it, if you watch, if, did you watch the trailer for it for Superman three? No. If you go, if you go watch it and you watch the trailer for it, they say Richard Pryor, a computer genius. Like, like basically, he just... What? Yes! And they do it like like he was just always was a computer genius. And then in the movie, they they do it like he just totally fell into it. Yeah, like, he, like the first time they show it, and I don't even get how. Cause, and again, this is kind of going, you know, looking back at it with uh, modern eyes. It's like he's an awful computer person. Like, he uses one hand um, Everything's just like a yes-no prompt for him. But yeah, he breaks into their, their systems with a keyboard. Um, I don't even know what his job is for them. I guess that's not important. But yeah, he becomes a computer genius. And I'm just thinking, like, if he's so smart with computers, why was he unemployed for almost half, for more than half a year? And I, I, I didn't get most of it. Um, it... it it, it seemed like this is the Richard Pryor movie with um, guest star Superman. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, just before we get to Superman and stuff like that, I guess the other end of the Richard Pryor thing is, like, I'm you know, with the Batman films, like, uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker cast a huge shadow over the franchise so that everybody who... Pretty much everybody who followed had to be in the the, 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 the Joker mode. The Richard was the Joker, Two Face was the Joker, Mister Freeze was the Joker, um, and that's kind of what we get here. We get a poor man's Zack Uther. Um, he dresses like Uther. He acts like Uther. He has a big breasted assistant like Uther. Um, and but at least it, at least it wasn't Luther, though. To their credit, they didn't keep pulling Luther. 
I, I mean, I don't think this would have worked for Uther because he's the greatest criminal mastermind of our generation. Mm-hmm. But I also think this guy didn't work at all for me. Yeah. Um, like, he wasn't... And I, I think this will be the biggest issue with him. It's like, he wasn't evil. Um, yeah, it's just really weird to take care of this almost, I guess, corporate espionage sort of villain type guy. And it it was like, really? That, that's how you're going to have Superman fight? The executive in a suit? It almost seemed like he was being evil just to see if he could get away with it. Yeah, because, I mean, his evil plan was the cocoa beans. <laughs> and, yeah. and then the, the and, one that really confused me was he had all tankers just sit out in the middle of the water. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I didn't get, like, at some point, people are going to realize that they're sitting out there. Um, yeah, yeah, at what point are they going to ignore the computer's commands and just go back and dock? Yeah, we had one dude who um, ignored it, and, well, we'll get to evil Superman in just a second, but, um, yeah, it was really, it was, like, I just felt like there was nothing to the plot. I mean, well, not the plot necessarily, but to the threat. There was no threat, especially after coming off of the three Kryptonians in the Ash film who were a physical match for um, Superman and Luther, who was a mental match for him. You just have a guy who wants petty money scheme. Um, but yeah, it it was also kind of interesting to see um, his assistant, which I feel like they, they kind of got over the fact that she's super intelligent, yeah. but she's paying, uh, she's paying an idiot. Like, there's a few scenes where she just comes out and she's about some techno babble. And then it's like, oh, darling, you're here. <laughs> yeah, that was a moment. I mean, I'm not. There seemed to be a lot of deleted scenes on it. Like, there was like 30 minutes worth of deleted scenes on the uh, extra content. So they might have played more with that. I'm not sure. But yeah, it, it, the end result seemed like a little weird. Like, she was basically just writing it out or something. Though, yeah, like, I don't. Though it sounds like she could have come up with better plans than he could. Yeah, I was wondering. Cause it never seemed like anything like anything came of that. Like it was just nice to see. Like, oh, she's not an idiot. She's playing one because that gets his attention. But they never really play up. Like, they, like they'll she'll say one or two things and like, huh? And then she'll go back to being an idiot. But it never kind of goes further than that. Um, yeah, and. I guess uh, we're going to have to talk about the other huge product of the movie, which is the evil Superman. Um, but before we get there, I am, I am just really curious that why would Superman reveal to the world his weakness in an interview? Well, he seems to have a bad habit of that, because I know he had mentioned the lead thing in the first movie. He, he <laughs> seems to have a problem with keeping... Serious dangers not mentioned to anyone. Yeah, yeah, because he, because um, they find out that kryptonite is weakness because he mentioned it in an interview a few years back. I'm like, yeah, you don't like, oh yeah, I'm a weak to kryptonite. So if you happen to have some, it can kill me. But you know, I'm Superman, whatever. Um, and they don't have any kryptonite, which is nice because I've always hated in comics when kryptonite is such a ready, readily available thing. It shouldn't be. <laughs> um. Yeah, some portrayals of kryptonite are like you can find it at any corner drugstore. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I believe there's an episode. Oh, the Superman Batman public enemy, uh, not public enemy, 
Japanese, the world's finest, the team of foot from the old anime series. Like, Joker has an entire jade jacket made of kryptonite. I'm like, yeah, that's just really hokey at that point. I hope the serious, but, like, really, there's that much kryptonite that somebody can make art out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, though we do get our bit of science wonkery in this one, where Gus is able to use some micros- t- some telescope in order to home in on where Krypton should have been, and they're able then to reverse engineer what makes up kryptonite. Um, almost what makes up kryptonite, but if he can't get 0.57% of it, it's unknown, so he gets it. He doesn't guess, he smokes. He has cigarettes. He's like, oh, it must be tar. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, it, it, so he, they reverse engineer that, and then they make kryptonite. And I love how he gets the kryptonite, because some lady gives it to him like it's lunch. Like, your kryptonite is ready, sir. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but but that, 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 that is hokey. But what I found really sad, or he's really weird, is that he gives Superman the kryptonite, Superman takes it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you would think you would remember what that did to him, but apparently not. Yeah, you would think. Um, he just accepts it from him, thanks him, and takes a seat. Which, okay. Yeah, which is also kind of weird that he got a parade for coming to some little kid's birthday party, but whatever. Well, um, I guess it was for saving that uh, that fa- that uh, chemical. Oh, that- oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, you know, kind of going back to, I mean, we kind of did gloss over that. But that was my favorite action piece in this movie. <laughs> it's really cheesy, but I like the fact that he froze the egg, even though I'm thinking, if you can freeze the egg, you could probably be out the fire yourself. But he freezes the egg, and then he drive, he flies part of it over the uh, wildfire and dumps it on top of it, which I thought was an awesome little use of his extreme powers. Yeah, and the way that it rains over it, or it just turned to rain, I, I thought that I felt like that was actually very clever. Yeah, it's one of those things where you figure, if I was that awful, I would want to get creative when stopping these kinds of disasters after a certain point. So that was a pretty neat way of taking care of it. <laughs> Speaking of, um, and I, I didn't get the point of this, I still don't. Is like Jimmy also accompanies him on this trip because he's going to Smallville for his reunion and the bus stops because of this fire. And in the process, Jimmy breaks his leg. And that's pretty much Jimmy's role for this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then they also told basically within the first, what, 15 minutes of the movie, gave uh, gave Lois Lane a hike for the rest of the film. So, I mean, I, I don't know. None of the mainstays were there. Well, Lois was different because I believe Margaret Kidder didn't want to return. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So she was pretty much just like, oh, you know, we have to have her in here. So they sent her on vacation. Though she gets that awesome night when she returns that she cracked some type of smuggling scheme or something while on vacation. Um, it's not like she had more fun than Superman did. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, we get, it's not even evil Superman. We get dickish Superman. It's kind of like Spider-Man and Spider-Man 3, where he's not evil, he's a dick. And it comes off very cheesy and hokey at times. Like, um, the part where he just hangs out so he can draw the, uh, the, the fan that the dude's carrying. Like, yeah. That's not, or at the least the power of peace, so where he just tips it to make a strike. Just, to, just basically to do over that dude who was selling the statues of it. But I don't think he was trying, I don't think he was trying to just screw over that dude. I think he, 
that I was kind of curious about because I mean it, it's does, it doesn't naturally mean does it or is it something that kind of happened over time? Uh, now you're gonna make us sound like idiots because I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it was like an architectural planning flaw that made it end up like that. So they just decided to keep it. Yeah, so I I, I thought it was just him fixing it, um, but then he unfixes it. I guess <laughs> you got to wonder about the people who are inside of it. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, and then the really awkward thing is that he kind of rapes that chick. Yeah. I mean, mean, sure, she was asking for it, but, um, and that sounds really bad, but she literally was asking for it. She goes on top of the um, statue of to get his attention, and then she pretty much flirts with him and says that if he wants it, he has to drop this all tanker in the middle of the ocean and, like, rip open his supply. Um, then he goes and he beds her, and worse than that, the next time he sees her, he's like, that wasn't me, it was a different guy, and I'm like, wow, Superman, what a dick move. Uh, it seems like if you would have just, uh, I mean, like, I don't know, there was a, if he would have, if he would have just acknowledged it, sort of, and just, but then again, how would you do that as, as the writer of the film, how would you make him acknowledge the, uh, I don't know, as I refer to it, bizarro side of him, uh, sort of to to this group of people. I mean, I don't know. So they probably dealt with it as best they probably could because I can't see a subtler way to deal with it. But yeah, it definitely came out crash. I mean, very yeah, close. yeah. And I get, again, I get that they're trying to make him evil and stuff, but out of his actions, don't have consequences. I guess it's like, like there's you know like there's newspapers like you can't trust Superman. Superman. And then he kind of turns good, and nothing comes of it. There's no repercussion at all. Even it's even even really hokey because the first thing he does after he becomes good, after he saves the world, is he drops Richard Pryor's character into like a, um, I guess a chop shop, not a, but you know like a a scrapyard. And he's like, oh, you know what? You should hire him. I'm just like. Why would you take Superman's word? He's just been a dick to the world for the last couple of weeks. For every, like they said, almost every nation except for um, Colombia has vacated him. And these people are like, oh, he comes with great recommendations. Like, no, he doesn't. We just saw that nobody trusts him anymore. Yeah, but if you remember, there was this one scene, like, right after he defeats his other side in the junkyard scene, it goes over to another tool as, uh, as Lana Lang on the... Uh, on the the train with her son, and you see this person reading a paper, and it says Superman good again. Okay, uh, okay, then this this this, this kind of brings me to my other problem with this film, and I it's the time. I have no idea how long or how short this film took place. I mean, the assumption is it took place between the two weeks it was it was on vacation, but it seemed like so much and so little time has passed, like um. There was a scene with Gus at the computer in Smallville where he's just, like, messing up stuff. And it, it showed people getting, like, a bill instantly for, like, $8 million. I'm like, bills don't come that quickly. Yeah, because it's going back to him almost like he noticed the mistake as he made it. And it's, like, it's going over – because he's doing this at night in, uh, in, in uh, Smallville, which, I, depending on your comic book uh, – geography it could be anywhere i guess but the point is it and then it goes over to metropolis which is obviously an east coast area and it's morning and you're seeing people walking back and forth on the street as he's changing the code back and forth well 
I mean, it's night where he is, but it's day where they are, and it's both in America. I mean, that would be really, really jarring. I mean, so I don't know. There were a lot of things like that. Yeah, like, I don't know how long the ship was out there after Superman left it there. I mean, it had to be at least overnight. Um, but, yeah, and it's a lot of things in this film. It just feels like the time was all over the place. Um until you brought up the fact that she was gone for, for a couple of weeks, I actually thought that this film just was supposed to take place in the course of like a weekend. <laughs> you, you see, I mean, I guess that's a possibility, but there's so, like, like so much, ha- like, Gus gets the job, he gets the job at the small film plant for them. Like, you don't get it, like, you can't get a job, because, uh, okay, you had the cast reunion, the cast reunion finished, the Strong went back to Metropolis. You had this whole thing with Gus. Get, so a lot of things were happening, and it just seemed like there was no sense of time in this film. Like, um, I don't even know how this works, but it, you know, like they mentioned there was one on vacation, but at the same time, the uh, Daily Planet gave a vacation to another couple, and that couple wanted to sue um, the Daily Planet. So, you know, like you also had the time for them to take their trip and come back. And all this other stuff. So a lot of time passed, but a lot of time didn't pass. Yeah, they came back from their uh, trip and were ready to sue Perry White. At the time, which I don't, <laughs> which I don't get. I don't know how that's even possible. But I mean, that that was another subplot that kind of went nowhere. It was just like, oh, we wanted um, we wanted people in the scene when like, crap goes down in Columbia with the um, tornado. Um. Which I also don't get is like if there's a tornado, like how did they get such precise footage of Superman so that Gus knew exactly what he did? Um, yeah, I don't know. They they really glossed over that. It was almost like, oh, didn't you read the paper? This happened. <laughs> what I didn't get was that they were really watching TV right before he came to that scene. Yeah. So how is it that that the news wasn't reported on that, but Gus just saw it on TV? <laughs> You know, I thought of that at the time, but I put it in the back of my head just because I guess the whole movie was that way, man. I mean, if you were going to nitpick that, you had a long way to go. I, it's not even nit- I mean, I hate to nitpick, but literally, I'm just watching this, and I'm just, like, confused as to what... Like, there's a lot of times where I'm just thinking, like, like you're literally just handicapping these characters illogically to make a plot instead of trying to, you know, have some type of rationale. For for what's happening on screen, right? And I called it nitpicking, but honestly, that's that's I guess would be my question: is do you would you consider it just poor writing, or would you consider it just a comedy? Because I, I guess that that's really what what the case of Superman three is. Is this just a case of a really bad movie, or or do you think that the writers took it um, as a comedy? I would tend to say it's probably the former, just because there really wasn't any like. The whole Superman going evil plotline really didn't have much meaningful justification. I mean, sure, there was the, like, half-almost kryptonite that did it, but when I'm like, when there's a plot device that changes your character's, like, entire personality, that always feels like lazy writing to me. And the whole Superman evil plotline really didn't seem to have much point with, within, like, the whole greater scheme of the story. Like, the various plotlines with both that and then also with Lana really just felt very disconnected from each other, and they just happened to be in the same movie together. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt I felt like they put on it in there because they knew they weren't going to have much of always in it. I will say this much. I did drag their scenes together. I, I enjoyed the fact that somebody was interested in Clark and not Superman. Yeah, that was refreshing. 
but yeah, and <laughs> her kid was kind of special, but he, it, the only time I found him annoying was at the scene when Superman was drunk. He's like, Superman, you can hear me! Superman, you can hear me! I'm like, oh gosh, shut up, kid. <laughs> That's what Superman was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of, Superman getting drunk. Uh, drunk Superman. Well, well, that shouldn't really happen because it, he shouldn't be able to process alcohol that quickly. Um, but, again, it coming back to not being evil but being a dick. If she's getting drunk... There's no reason given. There's no explanation for it whatsoever. He's just getting drunk. But then he decides to empty the bowl of peanuts and destroy that guy's collection of alcohol. <laughs> uh, yeah. No reason, no pro- no provocation, just being a dick. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, other than the fact that obviously it was tearing him apart that he was evil, or at least I think it... Well, I say obviously, but I don't really think they touched on that. But it should have been an aspect where it's like, it would kind of destroy Superman because when he when he went to go save that uh, that uh, truck or whatever that was falling off the bridge, he he put off whatever was like the dark side of them to come over there to go save these people. And when they told him, "Oh, if you were here just a minute sooner," he was obviously distraught and it was like then he was choosing to be bad. So I think that there was supposed to be more of a, like an internal struggle, but it didn't really show on the screen that well. No. Well, I mean, I, I, I was going to say that, that yes and no, because we literally get an internal struggle. And one of the darkest scenes in the Superman movies to date is Superman versus Clark Kent. Um, it's very, very vicious. Um, and it, it ended with Clark Kent literally strangling Superman to death. I'm just like, this is sending mixed messages to me. Because I get that, you know, he's defeating evil Superman and he's taking control again, but at the same time, you did it by striking the knife out of this dude. <laughs> like, that's not something a hero does. Not something that Superman iconically does, that's for sure. But, yeah, I thought the fight was interesting. Um, it was vicious, it was brutal, like, he threw him into acid. Um, you know, he, he tried to get him into a car compressor. I mean, it, 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 yeah. It was very, very vicious. It was my second favorite scene in the movie, Behind the Ice Sake. Yeah. Um, well, that's what Christopher Reeve said, that that was his favorite part of the whole movie, was the junkyard scene. And, and obviously it was a, it was a good a battle. And, uh, but but I, the one, the, if again, kind of nitpicking or whatever, if, if I didn't overly understand, I mean, it was, I guess it was supposed to be... Uh, sort of a, a metaphor for sort sort of like the the internal conflict I guess but it, it just it sort of it it sort of seemed weird to me the way that Clark walks out of Superman and then he's just standing there at him I mean it's just a little weird to me well I think I think like that all took place in his head I think because he you know he got drunk and he went to this junkyard and I just feel like it was that inter that internal conflict between Superman um but I will say this much, and this bothered me, and this is an extreme, extreme nitpick, I'm going to be honest with this. It's like, for the life of me, I couldn't understand what was wrong with Superman's hair in this film until, like, the final scene where I realized that they highlighted it with brown. Yeah, I don't know. I thought at one scene where it was, like, when he was acting all drunk, I thought that he, like, looked almost like he had gray hair. Did you notice that? Yeah, that's what, I thought it was, like, gray hair, but I'm like, that would be weird. And then I saw, like, a scene, like, he had, like, they had, like, highlights brown. I'm like, why would, why, I didn't know if it was something to do with Christopher Reeves at the time or what. But, yeah, his hair looked really weird and it bothered me. And then I realized that they had, like, they dyed it 
brown or something, and it just cooks really weird. Um, that said, um, <laughs> and this is also never really given an explanation, is that his costume gets darker. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's, no. But I don't know. I was gonna say there's just like no reason. Like and this, like it's not like he's become. You know, I don't get it, because then when he turns good again, his costume materializes into the bright one again. Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe what you, when you, I think you might have hit the nail on the head when you just said that, where it got brighter when, he, when his persona was brighter and darker when he was darker. But I always thought it was a costume. <laughs> yeah, well, no, well, I, yeah, I agree. But what I, what, what I mean is that might have been the filmmaker's choice going in there and doing that. Uh, but... But yeah, I don't know. That 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 was something I noticed, and and yeah, I, I do feel like at that point it really is just sort of nitpicking because it was nothing that was like jumping out. But yeah, it was it it was the thing is it, what a good film has to do is make the viewer ex- have sort of his suspension of disbelief, like he's willing to take away those little things that would otherwise bother him about this because he's really wrapped up in in the action or in the drama. And he's supposed to be enjoying it so much that he that he's willing to say, "Okay, I know that they made that little mistake there, but I'm I'm willing to let it go." But the problem yeah. with this was there was so much wrong with it at so many turns and corners that you could not let it go because it was always on your mind. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I I completely agree with you. And you know, this is why I always say, you know, I I I'm not a huge fan of nitpicking. But my thing is, if it takes you out of the movie-going experience, like, if you sit in there, and I was, um, as I think um, James did the same thing, we both watched this on Saturday night and we live tweeting it, it's like, if it takes you out of the experience questioning what's going on in the movie, that's when it becomes an issue for me. If it's, you know, if you if you, if you leave the movie theater and it's like three hours later and you're thinking about it, you know, that's a bit different because then you're just, you know, you're overanalyzing it. But if in the moment it's like, this doesn't make any sense, that's when it starts to bug me. Yeah, that's what... Like that's what I heard is I thought I had read where like the the original Star Wars film had like the most errors like on screen like little mistakes that they made that had the most mistakes to date as far as any film. But the thing is, Star Wars is so good that we're willing to overlook the, all the little mistakes because we enjoy it so much. But it's like when all of these films start to make a ton of little mistakes here and there, it it comes down to the fact that. But yeah, you start as you as you're watching, you sort of start to slow from your seat, and it's like you you see all of it, like you can notice all of it. Yeah, I, yeah. I tend to be one who doesn't do much nitpicking. Uh, what, I I've always noticed that in the movies where you do get really nitpicky about them, it's usually ones where the core story just is just really doesn't have much substance or isn't very focused. And I think that's really the problem with Superman three is that it doesn't really know what it's about. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I see. I think it it, it it has a lot of interesting ideas that if they found a way to combine it, would have been more interesting. Like you know, the idea of an evil Superman is something that's fascinating to explore because it's been explored a lot of times. You know, they explored it in Justice video games. Explored it in the um, Justice League, but beyond um, uh, beyond this, what you know. Um, that evil Superman story they did it in Superman animated series when he actually turned evil. Um, so that and you know Red Kryptonite exists in comic books for that reason. 
the idea of exploring Superman's childhood and his childhood romance in Smallville without him is interesting as well. It kind of sucks that his mom died in between films. Yeah. Uh, Which, I mean, I, I, I noticed that, like, when, when she made that comment, I thought, well, it shows time passing, like, his life has moved on and, and whatever. Yeah, but, I, I mean, that's a whole different discussion. I've never liked him killing off his parents. Yeah. No, I, neither have I, really, but... Um. And I, I even think that the idea of a computer villain for Superman could work. I mean, if only he had some type of advanced AI, super intelligent being that was his arch nemesis in the comic books they could have used. Yeah, some sort of, you know, brain interactive construct. Yeah, I, I mean, would, it, would it that be something? It, it would have been intriguing, but um, apparently that was the original idea to do a Praniac movie, <laughs> and instead we get this robot eighty for like two minutes. Yeah, that that was really jarring too. Is it's like by the end of it, I was ready, like I was ready to get up and leave at any moment. I was just done. Yeah, yeah, I, the the entire climax is just really hokey. Because I'm sitting here thinking like they got away from Superman, and instead of like you know, hiding out for a bit. They literally lure him into a trap that they aren't ready for themselves because they're still setting up when he's on his way. Yeah. Um, and it's a really odd, you know, it's just, it just feels like it was, it was tacked on and it was too much. And we got that really bad Superman video game. <laughs> Not Superman I don't know, that, that might actually be the best Superman video game to date is Superman 3 the movie. <laughs> right there. That's a pretty good graphics in 1983. I will say that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it's so... It, it was an odd climax. Um, and I think of the three so far, the worst, which is it, because it's the one probably with the most action or the most variety in action. Like, there's some cool pieces. Like, there's a part where he kicks the rocket into the other rocket. Um... I have the part when like, she shoots her missile at him, and she's like, just use your rockets to keep him distracted. He won't see the missile coming. I'm like, this is a giant missile. How is he going to miss it? And he does miss it. It sneaks up on him somehow. <laughs> um, but it doesn't kill him. I mean, nothing does. He gets that super huge kryptonite ray, and in order to turn off this mega computer, you just have to remove one screw. Yeah. <laughs> It, it was it was weird, but it is what it is. Um, I mean, I guess, are there any other final thoughts, anything we just over? Oh. Oh, Yana. <laughs> I like the Yana character. I thought it was an interesting dynamic with Clark. I hated the fact that her big dream was to move to the big city to become a secretary. <laughs> so I guess we did that kind of thing. Guy, it kind of wrap up here then. <laughs> and so I mean Superman 3 had its problems it had its charms and it had its uniqueness but as always we're going to assign a number to it so out of 7 what do you give Superman 3 uh, James let's go with you first since you seem to disappear a lot <laughs> alright um, out of 7 I think I'll go with Eh, three. There are little bits and pieces I like along the way, and the core plots could have been interesting, but they never really felt fully formed and never really came together, like, between each other in any interesting ways. Okay. Uh, David? Um, 
I think I'll give this one a four, and which is one better than Superman two, because I think that when they embrace the campy, just it's a sort of more of a comedy. I was able to enjoy it more, but it was still the fact that they did try. It was almost like I did feel like it was just in some cases poor writing and whatever. So it it wasn't great, but I did. I was able to enjoy it more than Superman two, which otherwise was trying to take itself seriously, but it was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I'm going to go with James Shane. I'm going to give it a three for pretty much the same exact reasons. I feel like there were a lot of interesting threads in this movie that were presented, but the film never really capitalized on them. Um, and I, like I mentioned I enjoyed the set piece with the um, with the ice egg and the set piece with the um, Superman vs. Shark can fight, but those were far and few between. I mean, it's a two-hour movie. I remember two action scenes. I feel like a lot of things were set up and never paid off at any point in this movie, and the climax just left it out to be desired. Um, there was no real... I guess, you know, there was no real driving per- point behind this movie. I never felt anything was endangered. I never felt that Superman was evil or sinister. I just think he came off like a jerk. And, you know, this is kind of the Spider-Man 3 thing. It's like you're trying to make your main character evil, but you don't want to push the line, so you just kind of make them... They come off really cheesy and lame and above all else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not a good one either. It's there, and I guess this is the bridge <laughs> that we'll cross to get to Supergirl next week. Um, but um, I want to thank David and James for joining me, <laughs> and this has been the Man is Still Cast Part 3, look at Superman 3.